Welcome back to Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability we all have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. I'm your host, Jihee Jolly. Today we're talking about what it takes to live your life as the main character or protagonist. Our guest is Nadia Ula, who shares her journey practicing SGI Nichiren Buddhism after an unexpected series of events took her off the life path she had envisioned for herself, and especially how chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo helped her take matters into her own hands. This episode is especially helpful for anyone who might feel like they aren't where they hope to be, but at the same time knows that having a passive attitude toward their circumstances isn't helping. I'll let Nadia share the rest. My name is Nadia Ula. I'm calling from Houston, Texas. I'm born from here. I just turned 30 years old and I do health safety and environmental quality for a water technology manufacturing company. Amazing. Thank you for taking the time to have this conversation. Um, So before we jump into today's theme, I always like to start with a kind of brief story of how people encountered Buddhism. So for you, um, when and why did you start practicing SGI Nichiren Buddhism? How did you discover it? And basically, like, why were you interested at the time? Yes. So Interestingly enough, um, my mother's Venezuelan and my father's from Bangladesh. So I grew up learning about this dual faith of Christianity and Islam. And I really was so curious about what is that middle way or what what kind of truth can I find in this? I didn't I didn't like having to um, kind of pick a side or that there was a right versus wrong. And then um, but I just got deep into what spirituality meant before I even knew what that was. And then when I was in high school around 17, one of my best friends was dating a guy who practiced and he taught me how to chant Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. And I was like, okay, this is cool, interesting, fun. And um, yeah, a year later, before I went to college, I just attended my first kind of meeting when I met the community. My like, It was like everything made sense. And uh, I opened up to these people who were just so, like you could see their lives shining. And I thought like, yes, that's that's who I am. That's who I want to be. And, and it all kind of brought things full circle to me. I felt like learning about Buddhism was the inside of the Venn diagram of like, you know, what my parents were, like where the two circles overlap. I was like, yeah, that's the that's the way to, that you universally explain those things. So yeah, that's how yeah. I started getting into it. Wow. Yeah. And that's quite a young, young age also to just jump into a new practice. Um, so did you start chanting right away? And like, if so, did you see changes or like, you know, what kind of made you continue practicing? Yes. Yeah, so I did start chanting right away and I went to college that following summer. So this was like 2010. And so I went to a private Baptist university and that was for me such an exciting time for me to explore these Buddhist concepts, especially to learn about uh, the Baptist faith and Christian scriptures, Christian heritage. But since I had already grown up around other faiths, I was so eager for the interfaith dialogue. So it strengthened my practice, but I also was far away from any other Buddhist that I knew. And so that was kind of difficult, but um, yeah, I just took it from there. And I was chanting when I was in school, you know, challenging myself. Um, But I definitely had some obstacles like 
pop up eventually. Like when I was in a, when I was a senior in college, uh, I, well, <laughs> for lack of a better, which is, let me just, let me just put it out there. Uh, I did want to go to medical school and I had all these life plans and, you know, being in a private university, I was like, okay, this is an investment on my future. And I had already felt so many, um, just, I guess it's hard to say what changes I had experienced when I was in college when I was practicing, because it was already such a time of like new experiences, right? Like I had a high life condition, but I was also doing all these other new things. Um, so, you know, that was just like, everything was associated with that time of my life. But then my senior year in college, I ended up getting pregnant from a long distance relationship from a guy that I'd met in the summer. And so then my whole life was like changing. And I was like, wait, hold on, what's happening? So instead of going back to school for that fifth year, I ended up having to move home and I found myself pregnant. And I mean, you know, this guy was nice enough, but it wasn't what I wanted for my life. And so even though I had had the practice for those four years prior to that moment, I felt like, okay, my, my world's crashing down on me right now. Like, what am I going to do? What's going to happen here? But I, in my mind, I was like, okay, I have my faith, though. Like, it'll be fine. I have my faith. I know I can trust this practice. I know myself. But because, again, there were so many life changes, I just kind of, like, hit this standstill. And um, that entered, like, the next kind of five-year period of my life of this just insane kind of fog, brain fog. This The only way that I really describe it, yeah, it's a brain fog. It was me not seeing my life or... I kept on um, thinking like things would just happen or change. And I was like, yeah, I, I know how to chant. I know how to, you know, believe in myself and be a go-getter. But at the same time, I was seeing my friends graduate from college. And I was like, damn, I was supposed to be one of those people. They were becoming like doctors and lawyers and engineers. And I was a college dropout with a baby and then, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so it was really hard for me to sustain my practice once I moved back home. And I felt like I didn't even know myself, like I could not recognize myself. Mm -hmm. And so that is just one of the most intense periods of my life where I, yeah, I was waiting for something to shift or to happen. And I would try, I would try here and there, but it just, I couldn't like muster the courage, I think, to sustain it. And so I got into some really bad habits of um, just treating my life like it was disposable and doing whatever and just not really having regard. And I did end up moving and I moved out of this house with this guy. And I went to live with my mom for a little bit when my our kid was like two. And I was like, okay, I just need to like find myself and figure out what's happening and, and who I am and stuff. And that little bit of freedom, I mean, it gave me some breathing space, but it didn't push me to like to myself. Like, I don't know what I was looking for, but I, I wanted to just kind of find the answer and have a light bulb moment. That's what I was waiting for. And I remember I would um, delve into my spirituality a little bit, like at my mom's house or try to like make a list of goals or something, but it just felt fake. Like it felt like it wasn't me or authentic to myself. And um, I mean, over time, like I just, I had made some other friends um, who didn't go to college, like, you know, they they didn't have, I didn't feel pressure on myself because my friends didn't expect me to be anything other than what I was presenting myself as at the time, if that makes sense. And so from there, I just like in the back of my mind, I was like, mm, I don't really know what I'm doing with my life, but like, it'll be all right. Like, it'll be okay. And 
I did eventually like start hanging out with my son's dad again over time to where there was, you know, we would hang out and enjoy each other's company, but like, I kind of just felt like, okay, maybe we're like not meant to be together or anything. And what, what is even meant to be even mean, you know, kind of thing. Like, I was like, you know, is it something I decide? Is it something that the universe decides? I just don't even know. <laughs> and I was seeking a lot. Yeah, I was seeking a lot of answers outside of myself and like, well, what do I want to do if I'm not a doctor? Did I disappoint my parents? All kinds of stuff. Um, so I remember during this time, uh, my dad did pass away and I was working at a grocery store and that was one and I won't even say it was a wake up call, right? Because there was nothing that there was not a singular event that could have woken me up out of this darkness. But it was something that shook me a little bit to be like, man, I really wanted to um, to kind of prove that the efforts he put forth for me to go to school, I wanted him to be proud of what I had done. And I felt like I would always have time. And then that the fact of the matter was like, I, I would not always have time. I would not always have time even with the people around me. So that was kind of one inch forward of what can I do now? But it was like a seed was planted, but I still didn't, you know, it was just there kind of in the background. Um, yeah, I did. Uh, I got back with my son's dad after a while. Um, funnily enough, I had a member reach out to me and from our Buddhist community who was like, oh, hey, I heard that you moved back from college. Like, let's, you know, kind of get connected. And because they were living in the neighborhood that my son's dad was in it was like a cause for me to go over there and like kind of be with him more just because I could connect over there mm -hmm. so that was that was an interesting time he did encourage me to go back to school and to um just get a better job and to believe in myself but I didn't want to hear it like I was just so irritated and the thing that also was like a rift is that he knew me at such a high point in my life when I was in college. And I was like, I want to change the world. I can be my best self. Anyone can be their best selves. Like I would tell him all these amazing things about, about Buddhism when we met. And then like he saw just the full range of my human potential, which included this crash. And mm -hmm. it was so ugly. Like my inner state was ugly. And so I also was like, dang, you know, how could I have told this person that I was all these amazing things? Like, I felt like I fooled him. I felt like I tricked him because he was like, oh, I like, you know, fell in love with this girl and she's so great. And then I became just something so opposite um, where I just kind of gave up on myself. And so that was just like a huge rift between me and this person and then me and myself and me and my expectations of, of myself or what I thought other people expected of me. So it's all these things going on at one time while also trying to deal with being an adult and starting to have bills and, and being expected to function in society on top of your mental health issues. Like, you know, it's a lot. Um, mm. So I was just, I know, like, you know, trying to push through, but it's still so, it's difficult to remember just because I felt like it was a blur of me just trying to make it through. But at the time, it was like a facade of like, oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm choosing this lifestyle. I'm choosing to be happy or, you know, it. but I knew deep inside, like, I'm not living to my potential, but I would just mm -hmm. ignore it. I was like, out of sight, out of mind. I'm not going to think about that right now. Yeah, mm -hmm. I might I might pause you here for a second to ask a little mm -hmm. follow up before we get to the next part. Um, well, first of all, thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, it. yeah, it sounds like a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot. <laughs> Um, but I, I am so like, also just to recap a little. So what I'm hearing is that you were sort of at this like, high point of like being excited about your future when you encountered Buddhism. And like, 
you were this kind of version of yourself that you felt excited about and you were starting to utilize the practice, but then this sort of unexpected turn of events changed that path a little bit. And then it became this kind of period of um, what sounds like, yeah, a lot more negativity and feeling lost, which I think a lot of people will be able to relate to for even if it's not because you had a kid, you know, like there's many things mm-hmm. that happen to us that kind of take us off the path that we expected ourselves to be on. Um, so I, I I wonder, like, just in, in that time period, um, what was the, like, did you stay connected at all to the Buddhist community? Like, what was your sort of daily practice like? Or was it just like you weren't even chanting every day? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was not chanting every day. I was connected, but if they would reach out, like I would always love to hear from them or I would attend a meeting here and there, but I wouldn't really go back. I would go and be like, yeah, that was invigorating. And then I just don't know. I just wouldn't follow up with myself. So actually the whole time, like I was in school and then even up to when my kid was a few years old, I didn't even really set up my entire praying station, meditation area, all of those. Like I didn't have a set foundation for my practice that everyone normally would have um, because I was a college student. So then um, when I did move in with him after after our son, I think that must have been when my kid was like three. So that was five years ago almost. Um, that was when the members had realized like, oh, like you don't have like your full kind of area set up for what people who have a stable home have. So yeah, um, I wasn't chanting because I just, it was, I didn't have a setup. I didn't really think about it. Even after though, I did get the setup. I was like, it got dusty. It got really (laughs) dusty. And all my, my publications would just pile up. And I was just like, "Uh." like, I would look at it and just think like, yeah, I know it works. So I'm just going to wait for it to work. Oh, you know, what was that? I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what I was thinking. You could put food in the microwave, but if you don't press start, it's not going to cook. So I don't know what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Such a so real, <laughs> such a great way to put it. I don't think you're alone in that feeling. You know, it's just so easy to live life that way. Like one day yeah. something's going to change. I don't yeah. know how, exactly. but hopefully it will. <laughs> that was me for a long time. I was so deluded. So, so then, um, I mean, because so much has changed since then. And I remember Mm -hmm. when we spoke on the phone, like there kind of was a moment where you decided to kind of begin your practice again in earnest. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, how did you sort of get started? What was what was happening at the time that drove you to do so? And then what did it look like to start really, really practicing? Yeah, I would say that even though. I would try. Um, I did have one, like one of my first moments of determination I can remember is that, so my son's dad did finally say like, yeah, okay, we should get married and all this stuff. And so we had this little backyard wedding uh, back in 2019. And one of the community members, I always loved and respected this woman so much. And I was like, thank you for like, and she helped me corral all this stuff. And she's, I was like, how can I repay you? Can I pay you for this? And she's like, no, like, I, I just want you to stay connected with the practice. Like, just start chanting, like just chant. Mm-hmm. And it just touched my heart so much because she was there so selflessly to witness such a big moment of my life. And so that was one of the things that I was like, okay, I can do that. I can see someone so selflessly give me their time and uh, energy and that all they're asking of me is for me to better myself. Like this is only for me to, to, you know, 
expand my life. Like she's not going to benefit from that, like not directly in a tangible way. So that got me inspired to get back into myself, into the practice. But I would say like, I still didn't sustain it after that the way I wanted to, but that was a, a foundational moment from there. And then I did move to another city, uh, well, close by like a suburb. And so I got connected with that district over there, that community. And I, I asked them though, I said, hey, like I've been struggling to get into my practice. Can you please help me? Can you please help me stay accountable? And they were like, oh my gosh, yeah, of course. Like we're so excited to have you. And um, they were so genuinely welcoming this man. I just, it makes me tear up thinking about the selflessness of people who just are there to support and help other people be happy. And so it really touched my heart, even though I was struggling so much, they they just did not give up on me. And they they would give me like reasons to present uh, studies or they would ask me to do like to host a meeting or they would ask me to check up on somebody knowing like it would help me raise my life condition. And it absolutely did um, every single time. And it, this was probably like the start of the pandemic or right, right before it started. So then things went virtual. So I didn't have a lot of time with my community members in person often because of yeah the pandemic but then after that it actually made it easier for me to go to all the meetings because I didn't have to leave my house I had no excuse I was like I gotta go it's on my phone I got to go to so many meetings that I never went to before um yeah. the pandemic though I did like so I had started coping with just I wouldn't even say coping but like escaping reality like I was just drinking so much um from like 2018, 2019, and then like going into the pandemic, like it would go from like, oh, just hanging out with my friends, having drinks, and I'd come home and like still keep drinking. Or like, oh, well now it's Monday after work, let me just go home and have a glass of wine. Let me go home and have a shot. Like it was just dumb. But it was like the whole like, okay, if you're an adult and you have money, you can go buy cake every single day and no one's gonna tell you, you cannot buy a cake. Okay, right? <laughs> so same, like no one was like, you should probably not buy alcohol every day like you know I was just like I'm an adult I could you know and it was like it was not it was not even a conscious thing of like oh I'm gonna numb my sadness or numb my reality I didn't even think about those things it was more just like an indulgence turned into like a numbness turned into a habit and then when everyone else started like drinking during the pandemic and they're like oh you know this is like trauma response of the collective and all this stuff and I was like oh my god I've been doing that the whole time. Like I've been reacting out of, I don't know, some kind of confusion of my life the whole time. Not that I would like wake up and drink ever. Like I was never to the point where I was worried about myself, but I was also like, this is not sustainable. So what do I like to do for fun? What do I do to relax? Because I can't do this forever. Mm -hmm. um, but so, yeah, I would see, I saw that like reflection of myself and other people during the pandemic. And I was like, mm, okay, this can be a time while I'm not working. So I like got let go during the pandemic, I was like, let me stay home and go on walks. And like, my sister, she asked me to do this challenge of like working out three, four times a week or something. And like, there was some, there was this whole program that she did as like for fun. And so I did that. And I was like, okay, I'm only going to drink during the weekends. And I'm only and I'm going to chant and I'm gonna try to do all these things. I had some success with those things. But after I started working again, it kind of all crumbled and I just stopped doing them. And I was, I could not anchor myself. I felt like I was anchoring myself, like, like in, like in the ocean, like in a wave, like waves passing back and forth. Like I was trying to catch a wave with my hands or something. Mm -hmm. And I just was, I kept on getting mad at myself though. I was like, why can't I sustain my practice? Like, why can't I just keep on going or like 
continue my goals or what is it? And I was so stressing out about figuring out what I was doing wrong. And I just, I think I was holding on to just such a rigid idea of what my success should look like and what chanting should look like in my practice. So then fast forwarding to the end of 2020. So I I did make a goal. I was like, I'm going to just read at least one line of any kind of publication or Buddhist study, anything. I was like, if it's only one line, I'm going to read it. If I do one, um, one minute of chanting, I'm going to try it. So those little efforts here and there, or me trying, I was just like, let me just see what happens. One thing that you said just there, like stood out to me, which was um, that like participating in the community, like helped you raise your life condition. And I'm thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, for people who are newer to the practice, like what does that actually mean? Because like you've kind of described this picture of like someone who day to day, like it seems like you were struggling whether you were thinking about it or not because you had sort of developed these habits on how you wanted to deal Mm -hmm. with it which is very universal but then like yeah what do you mean by um like raise your life condition and like how did that sort of fit into this like thread of what Mm -hmm. you were feeling on a daily basis does that make sense yeah of course because I saw it in two iterations yes so when I first was getting back into my practice and I would attend a meeting and just be there to like soak up people's positive energy and to hear their experiences and their breakthroughs and like since I wasn't studying on my own too whatever study they presented I was like oh wow that would have been great to know all this time (laughs) even though I had access right and so it's like I always left kind of like having learned a little bit having heard someone's breakthrough um, having been kind of reinforcing that I am capable and have unlimited potential and so it was um these little bits of encouragement But then when they would ask me to present a study, I had to take the time to do more research and put it together and um, just put in the effort for other people to have a good experience. And And it would also make me think too, like every time I come to these meetings, I always leave just feeling so much better. So I wanna make sure whoever comes to this can also have that experience and benefit from it. So I would put my heart into that, into preparing a PowerPoint, or even if I was presenting one slide out of 10, I would prepare for it because I wanted to just deliver that, deliver my heart into like, okay, well, if someone else is coming to this meeting struggling like I did last week, I want them to leave good, like feeling Mm -hmm. empowered. And so, yeah, it would just always help me see um, the potential that I had of like, Oh, I can study on my own if I were if I had that kind of incentive or motivation or to open this book to read more so I can put it in the PowerPoint. So it also made me realize like all the resources that I had already there that I could tap into if I just wanted to. And then checking on other people just to see like, oh, hey, well, can you go check on so-and-so or go visit them? Um, it would always just leave me so expanded is the way I would say it. Because if I'm to myself in my bubble, thinking about my problems, my problems are so big. But when I talk to other people and then more people, and then we are all talking about our problems, it's like I'm zooming out. And then my problems are so much smaller because I'm like, look at all these things everyone's dealing with, but also look at the world, look at this bigger picture. And so like thinking about expanding my life on this community scale, then all my day-to-day little minute things that I was worried about, like they just fade to nothing. 
because then I just have so much of a bigger purpose to think about. And so, yeah, it just kind of really got me out of my head. I just needed to, you know, continue to be consistent in remembering those things. Yeah, totally makes sense. I, mm-hmm. I hear you. Um, got it. So so you're you're like connecting with the community and having these little moments and then you decide you're going to study a little bit every day and chant, you know, mm-hmm. as much as you can. But um, you were mentioning, I think that there was a, a turning point that that eventually came. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> tell me about that. Yes, I feel like this is like my drum roll moment that I was like kind of waiting for. But no, it's not that this is what I yeah, let me just go because this is what I had realized because I I said I mentioned before all those years before I was like waiting for something to shift or waiting for a light bulb. But I truly think that even though right now I can barely remember the little things I did, it was all of those little efforts that helped me believe in myself enough to where at that moment or like towards the end of the year, I was like, okay, I'm capable of shifting more. Um, just so that way I'm clear on that. It's still, it wasn't an overnight thing. It was mm-hmm. very much just painstaking, tiny efforts that to me at the time seemed like nothing, but they really did help um, push me to have some more confidence. But yeah, so towards the end of 2020, um, I did shift to a better career. Yeah, I was reading Daisaku Ikeda's encouragement on um, just being indispensable wherever you are. And like, your mission is wherever you are at. And so it's like, you don't need to be anywhere other than where you are. You just do the best you can where you are. And that's what's going to take you to that next step. Mm -hmm. So I really took that to heart. And I was working like in a warehouse, um, doing labor work. It was like quality control, but it was something that I know I wasn't using my potential on, but I really was like, you know what? I'm going to do the best I can. If I'm going to be working in this warehouse and doing quality control, I'm going to be the best at it. I'm going to learn as much as I can. I would offer to do more and more. And within a few months, I was offered to do health and safety and environmental quality. And my boss at the time was like, I will just teach you what you need to know because I can teach anyone hard skills, but I cannot teach someone else ambition. And like you, you bring that here, you bring this ambition. And I was like, I'm ambitious. Like, I was like, how did that happen? Okay. I was like, all right. So I was like starting to like, okay, okay, cool, cool. So, so I was like, let me keep going. But um, I, you know, so I had seen these things here and there, like, like perk up. But uh, yeah, towards the end of the year, I went to my sister's wedding and like, I was just fighting with my husband so much. And I was still kind of, I was still, I had gotten back into drinking at night, maybe like, five, five nights a week, but still was like a, that's a lot, you know? Um, so I was just like dehydrated. I was tired. I was cranky. I didn't like myself still. So I had achieved some kind of surface material, um, success, but I wasn't proud of myself. And I knew like, "Mm, I'm still not really living right, but I was kind of fooling. I felt like I was fooling people. I was fooling myself too, thinking like, whatever, I'm, I am happy. I look, I look, I'm doing better. Like I have something to show for it. But yeah, so after I was fighting with him so much and I came back from this wedding and I was showing my coworkers my pictures and they're like, oh my God, it was such a beautiful like beach. But in my head, I was like, man, but I didn't have a good time. Like, why wouldn't I have a good time? Like, that's so crazy. And then I just thought like about my life and my inner life and how it was showing up and me just taking out my anger and irritations on other people, especially the people that I love the most and that I live with the most. And Um, So there was that and just me thinking like, what if I'm not compatible with this person? What if I shouldn't have married him? Uh, What if, you know, after all this time, like, 
it just shouldn't have happened. Like what, I don't think that we're compatible. So I was thinking though, you know what, instead of me just making this irrational decision to separate from this person, like, let me examine my life first, because I was sitting there thinking like, oh, well, because I might practice this, this, you know, philosophy and this person doesn't, that's why we're not working, which is so arrogant because I wasn't practicing it either. Like I might say I knew, yeah, like I had the tools, but I wasn't using them. So I was like, okay, you know what? That's rude. I called out my own rudeness and my hypocrisy there. So I was like, let me just, let me, let me, let me see what it's going to be like to just chant. I was like, all of like my, my community members, everyone that I've been in touch with, like I would always try to over intellectualize the strategy of like getting my life together or whatever that I thought that was supposed to be. And they would just tell me, like, just you just chant Nam-myoho-renge-kyo. Like, you, this is called the strategy of the mystic law. The mystic law is cause and effect. They're like, Nadia, if you're the effects you're experiencing in life, they're because of the causes that you made. So if you're not happy with the effects, make another cause, make a different cause. Just start now, start today. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, like, it can't be that easy, but all right. <sighs> when I When I tell you, like... <laughs> It's not that it was easy, but it is simple. And I think like we want it to be hard. I know for me, I made things harder because I felt like if it wasn't hard, I didn't earn it. But, you know, so when I started chanting, though, and just it was like literally a fog was lifting from my life and I could just see clarity like I just had clarity. And I was so I was like comically upset, not really upset, but comically upset at just how much smoothly things were going with my husband and like I would just not get angry about small things because I didn't care like my life had become just I was thinking about gratitude I was like let me just appreciate this person in front of me and all that he's trying to do and I would think like oh my gosh well we are trying to say the same thing but we're communicating it differently like that's why we're arguing why are we arguing if we're on the same team you know things like that and then I would uh, read a lot like a lot more encouragement I was like let me just go to the basics of just trying to chant because I had before tried to do all these different life changes, want to be healthy, want to do this, want to all that, but I couldn't do it. Cause if I just stopped one thing, I'd stop all of them. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to start from square one and give myself a fighting chance. And if I want to give my marriage and myself a fighting chance, then this is what I know in my heart. I did not try. I know I didn't try that to just chant. I would try all the things, but not just just praying, not just faith, because all, all this time I thought that faith meant believing that it would work. But really, when I started practicing and studying, I, re- I remember the day I read it was like Jose Toda was like, there's no faith without practice and study. Like there cannot be faith without practice and study. And I was like, y'all did not tell me that, like in a joking <laughs> way, like <laughs> jokes. But, you know, it's just things you got to learn for yourself. And um I prayed also very deeply from just the depths of my life to have balance and temperance because I wanted to be able to drink with my friends and have fun. And I, and I wanted to know that I could trust myself to, to cope in a positive way. And I was like, let me just kind of do this experiments on myself of like trying to see what it's like when I'm just chanting, trying to see just what happens. Like, and then as I started chanting, I realized like, oh, okay. It's not that I don't love myself. It's that I didn't really trust myself. I didn't see myself as a reliable person because I just felt like I would say all these things I'm going to do. And I didn't have the courage or the energy to follow through with them. So then I stopped believing that I would actually change. 
because at this time, like I always knew I was capable of changing. It wasn't, it wasn't, oh, can I do it? It was like, well, when am I going to do it? And then it's like, okay, it becomes now, like later becomes a now at some point. So I would just start, even if it was just a few minutes a day or even reading one line a day, but those things carried me. I mean, so deeply brought me up to having so much gratitude. And I found myself to just like not even want to drink. I didn't drink for months after I started chanting. I didn't want to. I was like, oh, I want to go on a walk. I want to, I want to draw. I want to paint. I want to play video games with my son and my husband. Like I was just really finding joy and clarity. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, the thing is that my story is not centered around alcohol. It's centered around just this escapism that a lot of people struggle with of like being on my phone. I would be on my phone for hours. That's a, just another like numbness of like not waking up to like, okay, what could you be doing right now? Or like, what, you know, what are you building for your life? Or what can I explore? I had all these books on my shelf. I'd be like complaining about not reading them, but was I trying to read them? No, like all kinds of things like that. And so, yeah, like I just started thinking, okay, I have not wasted my time. I was like, I did not waste my youth. This is all for this moment. Everything was for this, for me to like catapult myself into just this beautiful awareness of life and being happy and like my happiness not being contingent upon my career or upon what I look like or anything like that. And the more that I started just seeing that, it's just like, it would show up everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. it shows up in everything that that we consume, like in terms of media, in terms of our friends and the conversations you have. It's like, that's why it's so mystic, like this cause and effect, because when you start kind of going down that pathway, like you decide, like, I'm, I do want better for myself. You make that decision. You keep going. Things align. They align with you. You are in rhythm. You experience the rhythm and there's no denying the rhythm that you experience. And then Another really key thing, though, that I told myself when I started that process was instead of me lamenting over why do I keep stopping and getting off track and then losing myself, I was like, why don't I find out this time? Let me find out what it's like to be consistent. So whenever I would stop chanting for a few days or even a week, I would be like, oh, whoops, it's been since last Monday. I'm going to chant today. And I would just get back on track. And then I started realizing like my definition of consistency didn't have to be the next person's definition of consistency. Like if Mm -hmm. I chanted a few times a week uh, and I did that for a few weeks straight, like that was consistency. And then I was able to sustain like months worth of regular chanting. And then it became an everyday thing. And then it became a twice a day thing. But it was like, okay, I built myself up to it. And when I realized that, like I didn't have to have, have these rigid definitions of things, my like rigid definition of happiness, success, consistency, um, all of those things. Like I really kind of let go. And I just thought about like, what am I going to do today? Like today, I'm just going to chant this little bit today. I'm going to study this little bit, whatever it is, I'm going to study. I'm going to apply it with my life. I would just chant to open my life and to like, just be in rhythm and to connect, um, Mm -hmm. and just open that. And then like those things happened. Yeah. And then you know, my marriage just really strengthened beyond belief. And it was definitely a two way street. You know, it's, uh, he would also see me just being so happy and like letting things go that were silly that in the past I would have just anchored on. And he would just say like, thank you so much for, you know, in the past you might've complained about this, but now you're so much more patient, like, you know, with family matters and things like that. And so, 
it was just like, then he would do more to show his appreciation. So then I would do more to show my appreciation. And then it became one of those like sickeningly cute relationships. Where I was like, <laughs> who are we? You know? And it was like, wow, I couldn't believe like I almost left this person. But it's because like, you're not going to just find that compatibility out there. Like, you know, it, it just takes two people deciding like, this is what I want. But it also starts with one, it starts with one person deciding to yeah. that what is what's worth it like what are your values what do you pri- what do you prioritize or all that stuff how do you express your your values yeah so there were those things um you know it's funny like yeah. um hearing hearing what you're saying sounds like um the in buddhism you know the concept of the oneness of self and environment mm-hmm. like you didn't have to really figure out how do i like you know, your other option, what many people do, and maybe once upon a time you were doing was like, oh, what do I do about the relationship? Do I change the relationship? Do I change mm-hmm. the job? Now I have to kind of in- start all these like new habits or or change the way that I take care of myself. Mm-hmm. But like, all of that is still like, outside, right? But then if you just chant, which it sounds like, you know, <laughs> like your heart starts to change, and then your environment mm-hmm. naturally starts to change because of that and then it like becomes this amazing self-reinforcing thing where you're like wow I'm experiencing life so differently it sounds like that's what you're describing which I've, I've experienced in my own way too it's like so hard to put into words unless you've just done it you know what I mean yeah I feel like I need to expand on like just how much of a shift I made in terms of like integrating this past version of myself that was supposed to be a doctor and then being a young mom, and then into like, how I became to love my life, like how I came to love my life. So they say like, you know, when you're chanting, you have the ability to integrate like past, present and future. And like, because of the oneness of self and environment, because of the oneness of life, we we have connections to the past, present and the future. And so I had for so long was fighting Like, well, I don't resonate with the person I am now. Who was I before? I could never go back to that. I could never go back to being in college and being child-free. Like, I can't. And so I was, when I was chanting, I was thinking, if I can integrate my past with the future self I want to be, who am I right now in the present? And like, I'm just kind of like bridging those, like, I am the bridge. I am all of that. That's when I really also opened the way forward because I was just thinking, I don't have any obligation to be the person I was five minutes ago or yesterday. I don't care if I drank every day for like a year or two. I don't have to be that person today or tomorrow. Nobody said that I am that person, mm-hmm. you know, and that empowerment. So like, yeah, Daisaku Ikeda talks about the power of thought and the power of belief and the power of changing your reality. And it was so mind-blowingly true. Like the moment that I just was like, and it's not a moment, right? It was so a series of so many moments of me finally convincing myself like, oh yeah, I can choose how I want to be. I can choose how to act. I can choose what my habits are. I just have to build them slowly day by day. And then by virtue of doing that, I become that person. And so I just, I, I eased up on what I thought I needed to be or on like having that attachment to like who I think I am. That's why change was so hard for me because I was so attached to being that person. I felt like, how can I be a different person? And that's the thing. I did not become a different person. Like I was that person already. Like I just polished my life. 
Like I am a multifaceted person. I am allowed to have bad days and I am allowed to, you know, do whatever. And it's not a mistake. Like there's no regressing. Like you're always moving forward. Mm -hmm. Anything you do, even like if even in like in the most recent times of my life, whatever I perceive to be a mistake, the moment I'm just like, hey, no, this is all a cause for me moving forward. If it's a learning moment, I can make value out of it. As long as I'm creating value, then everything is integrated into this highest self, this best self of what we call our boot ability, bringing forth whatever is like the best version of Nadia that I could be. Mm-hmm. You know, the best version of myself doesn't reject that, those lower sides. It embraces those sides. It encompasses those. And so there was this whole like my whole theme of 2021, because that was when I was like, I really want to change because that was my last year in my 20s. And I was like, all right, I got to make up for some lost time. Like I really I owe this to myself to try But so I think a lot of people, young people will be familiar with this concept of like main character energy. Like, I don't know (laughs) if you've ever seen this. And I was like, that's literally what Daisaku Ikeda talks about when he says, be the protagonist of your own life. Mm. And even Nichiren from like the 1200s is like, what story could ever be more wonderful than your own? And I'm like, that was the importance too of me chanting and having the wisdom to perceive main character energy as like a Buddhist concept. And I was like, that, that is so Buddhist. Like there was so many. And so that was what I was like, yeah. And so that kind of went in line with like, I can literally choose to be how I want to be. I can choose how I want to think. Like if this is my story, then I don't want my life to be a boring movie where nothing fun happens or nothing hard happens. Right. Like the movies we love that we're into, it's like, we watch this character grapple with life being hard they they overcome all the odds they bust their butt and then they overcome and so I was like okay if if I'm gonna be the main character of my life like I'm gonna have this character arc that's gonna be amazing because why not because literally why not Mm. and that's just what I would tell myself like who says I can't wear this new thing who says I can't act like that who says I can't start you know reading these books like you don't have to tell me who I am. I don't, you know, I can be whoever and I can choose to be the best version. And, you know, I can also choose to be forgiving when days that I'm not. And so I would also realize like my best is different every single day. And I would, once I could be fluid and dynamic with that, then I would relax so much to where like, then I can just move on so much easier if things didn't go a certain way or I can forgive. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I just to comment on this, it's so amazing hearing you share all of this because um there's like you know just to sort of pull some insights out of out of what you're sharing the it almost sounds like and I I believe this to be true but there's sort of like on a very basic level three things about Buddhism um that or like three kind of like core beliefs almost Uh, this is not like doctrine or anything but like it sounds like what you're saying too is one you have to accept yourself the way you are. Like that's literally what we're chanting. We're not chanting mm-hmm. to become someone that we're not. We're chanting yeah. to like accept and treasure ourselves. Yes. And then secondly, you also have to believe in your potential because it's different to be like, well, this is who I am. I'm never going to change. And that's the end of the story, you know, because yes. that's also passive. Um, but then thirdly, it also sounds like, you know, daily practice, like approaching every day based on today, like what am I going to do today? You know, how do I make the most of today rather than like thinking kind of too broadly? And I wonder if that's also something you struggled with, you know, because sometimes we're like, oh, in in the past or in this period of my life, I was this way. And one day in the future, I'll be 
this way, but like Buddhism concerns itself with the present. You know what I mean? That's how yeah. you get there. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, just, just wondering about that. Absolutely. And I, it's like, you can know things theoretically. And I feel like, but I couldn't understand the wisdom of them or incorporate them until I just started chanting every day or, you know, whatever it was that day. But yeah, I really didn't know how to like have that clear balanced focus of just today until I was like, what, what does daily practice? And then it clicked in my mind. Oh, that's why it's a daily practice. Like it was just so, (laughs) yes. But the, the duality of, okay, I want to accept and love myself how I am, but also like to strive for better. And that was something like I, I talked to a lot of people about because you, you have to, I think, well, for me, I had to love myself into self-improvement rather than, uh, hate myself into it. So it was because I loved myself and accepted myself so much that I was like, yeah, I could, I could polish that. I could round that out because it was an exciting thing. It was an opportunity. It was like a privilege, you know, to be like, I have the ability to explore my potential um, and also appreciate where I am. And that's exactly like the, the career shift that I did is because I accepted where I was, but I also wanted to be better at my job. Like, if that makes sense, it was just like, I, yeah, it was like, I'm not going to begrudge my life. I'm happy to be here, but I'm going to be the best at it, like wherever I am. So yeah. And then in that way, it just kind of materialized and happened that, okay, then I got that career shift. And so yeah, that's a tangible way to say that in my daily life now, okay, I can love and appreciate where I am. And, but that doesn't mean I don't want to also honor my potential and recognize it. And because I honor those things, I want to just be like, you know, what else can I do? What impact can I have? Or who can I reach out to today? It could be it could be any scale of things. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Do you have a favorite Buddhist quote or like a Buddhist concept that's helped you make this shift, you know, from living sort of like passively to then just deciding, okay, I'm going to chant every day and like, be the main character? Yes. Um, So there, I think that there, there's one quote, but really it was this concept, right? So the quote is, small things matter. What may look like an act of courage is courage nevertheless. The important thing is to be willing to take a step forward. Um, and then there's another one that's similar to that, well, it's on par with me. That is, um, when you make a determination, everything begins to move in the direction you desire, and that all of your your cells and fibers of your body will orient themselves towards your success. But if you think this is not going to work, then it's like your cells will deflate and give up the fight. So mm-hmm. I always thought about those things. But the concept that I continue to go back on. So I actually, it's hon and myo, fresh from this moment forward. And so thinking about like, this moment forward opens the way to everything else. Like, and I, every day, actually, still, when I battle these negative thoughts and my anxiety and all kinds of stuff, I just think I'm moving fresh from this moment forward because that's all I have is right this moment forward. And so if I had to sum up anything from what carries me continuously through this practice, it is just thinking to myself, like, this is a fresh start from this moment forward. Mm. I love, love that. You know, it's ever since you like said this main character energy (laughs) analogy, I'm just visualizing this is going to sound so strange, but I'm just visualizing like, you know, that like, like in movies, like the, or even in our lives, like the first day of work, or like the first Mm -hmm. day of 
college or whatever, where you're like, you're in that zone of like, this is about me and I'm kind of nervous, but I can do yeah. it and I got this. It's like that. It's yes. <laughs> living that way kind of every day where you're, you're like, this is, this is it. It's a new, it's a new day every day kind of feeling. Absolutely. And like, I am the kind of person I will take a metaphor to the end of everything. Because if <laughs> once I started telling myself, this is my main character energy, this is my main character year, like I started romanticizing my life because in the movies, you could see people just do the most mundane things. And you're like, oh, they have such a nice life. So I was like, I do have a nice life. I have an amazing life. Like I started, you know, just appreciating all those little things like you would if if you were watching someone else's life or, you know, reading a book or something. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like um, what's like, I mean, what I love the most about everything you're sharing is just that it like you didn't have to strategize your way into like making some grand plan on like, this is this is how I'm going to start thinking about myself. This is what I have to change. But rather mm -hmm. you started with chanting and then naturally kind of lived your way into this this transformation. At least that's what it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. It did because I spent so much energy trying to figure things out before I did anything. And then when I, yeah, when I just started chanting and just started reading one line or two here and there and whatever it was that I was doing for my spirituality, whenever I was appreciating it too, and being like, okay, I'm proud of myself, like for even doing that effort, it opened so much more. And then that's what made me realize like, okay, that's why this is the mystic law. That's why this is an interconnected practice. Like, you know, mm -hmm. for us being just so connected beyond comprehension that when, when we chant, we bring forth this higher self. Then we understand with the wisdom, like, oh, wow, this is how profound our lives can be. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So this, this was going to be my, my final question before I do the, the closing question. Um, which is like, you know, you shared so much about how even when you weren't chanting consistently and you were kind of going through these experiences, the the Buddhist community like seems like it was such an anchor, even if it was just you popping into meetings and getting encouraged every so often. And um, I wonder, like, you know, now that your practice is just so much more consistent, it seems like. How do you think about like the, I, you know, I'm thinking from the perspective of someone who's new, who's like, okay, mm -hmm. so if I'm feeling how Nadia felt and I should just chant every day, got it. But then like, why do I need the community or, you know, like, but practice for self and others is such a tremendous part of Buddhism. It's not just like mm -hmm. me, me, me. So I just want to kind of temper the, the main character metaphor with that because there mm -hmm. is this larger purpose. And I'm so curious how you think about it. Like, why does it matter to be in, in the community? Why can't I just chant by myself? I mean, because we're human, we exist in social structures, we exist in community, first of all, from a scientific perspective. And, you know, it is important to like, surround yourself with people who also are committed to not giving up, who, who can give you this deep, valuable insight and advice, because, you know, you might ask one friend, what should I do? And they'll be like, I don't know, you know, why don't you, whatever, and which is fine. You know, we have all kinds of friends for all kinds of reasons, but in this community, it's like, okay, I can really count on someone to be like, Hey, what are you doing? Like go chant or don't give up someone who's going to give me deep, but also hard advice of what I need to hear. Not just what I want to hear. You know, have you ever had a friend, you might complain to them about some, something and they might be like, yeah, that other person was wrong. That is not what a Buddhist will tell you. They will say, hey, you need to examine your life. And what? Are, why are you bringing this into your life? Like, what are you doing that's mirroring this or causing this? Like, you know what I mean? They'll be like, yeah. hey, you should. Yeah, they will call you out on that. And I think it's important to have friends who want you to be better. They don't just want you to be right. 
And also like having, knowing that I'm not struggling alone, right? So I have, again, all kinds of random friends everywhere because it's great, but having friends who I can struggle with, but in a positive sense, it's not struggling to complain. It's struggling for this like grand endeavor of like, we are doing something so deep and like having this mission for, you know, this, the planet. I mean, it's, it can be a lot and you don't want to share that burden by yourself. I can't save the world by myself, but I know collectively, like we can really make an impact. And so if we can share this, whatever we can be in different professions and fields and stuff, but if we have this shared goal of like, we want to make the world a better place, you know, that's like, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. So I know like if I, if you and me, I can trust you, you trust me and we're in the same goal of, of lifting up the world and eventually changing how things are done on, on this global scale. Yeah, of course. I think it makes sense to really um, just stay connected and, Mm -hmm. and it just kind of keeps you on your toes too, because if, when I was not uh, in the community, I would lose track of time and I'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe months have passed since I haven't opened a publication or started chanting, right? But when I have people kind of keeping me accountable, it's just an extra layer of like, okay, we're also studying the same thing so we can give feedback on the topic. Oh, I had a question about the study that we were just reading about. What do you think about it? You know, rather than like, oh, no one else is reading the same things I'm reading. So it is helpful too, to like, just yeah. kind of keep it fresh. 100%. Yeah, it's, it's- very practical and also very very profound i i wouldn't be able to practice by myself no way (laughs) Mm -mm. um so this has been so amazing thank you for sharing everything that you did um i want to move to my closing question which is how we always end the show which is a piece of advice so for anyone who is listening who might be new to buddhism and maybe struggles with feeling like they aren't the protagonist in their life or they're waiting for things to change, but they've, you know, maybe felt like they lost their way. What one piece of advice would you give them? I would say the time is always now uh, to make any kind of change. Because if you say later, that later becomes a now eventually. And so just, just go from where you are. Like you don't need anything other than yourself. You don't need to do or be anywhere else other than that moment and just pave that way forward and be flexible with yourself and be forgiving and incorporate all of the hard things like the hard things are going to happen. And if you would just accept them and you embrace them and you're like, how can I create value from this? And you're always moving forward. And I would say, like, have faith in that, that that everything you're doing is where you're supposed to be and that all of your efforts are going to make a cause like are in effect. Right. And so it's like, if you are not giving up on yourself and you just have opened your heart and you're like, okay, but I feel stuck. I, I always have this analogy of like, okay, let's say you moved to the other side of town and you leave your job and you accidentally start driving to your old house. You're going to eventually be like, oh my God, I'm going the wrong way. And then you're going to turn around at no point in time are you going to say, I have already spent so long driving this way. I'm going to keep going this way. There's not, there's, you would not do that. So you wouldn't, don't do that in real life. It's never too late to turn around. You have to, you have to turn around, go to your new home. That's where you want to go. And then the more you keep doing that, it's going to naturally become your reaction. Now I leave work and now I go to my house, my new house that I want to go to. And this is the same with your thoughts. You reroute your thoughts as many times as you need to. You're always going to have to turn them around when you realize that you're going the wrong way. 
And that's why it's always fresh from this moment forward. I realized I was going the wrong way. One of the biggest misconceptions I run into when I tell people about Buddhism is they think like, oh, so I must be peaceful and happy all the time. And I'm like, no, 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 no. no. But also like, <laughs> I'm not scared of being sad. I'm not scared of going through pain because I know it's just part of life. Yeah. I, yeah. And then yeah. once you accept that, you just get over it. And then, you know, you get back on the on the high tide so much quicker. So just don't be scared. Don't get don't be down on yourself. Just keep going. Just turn around, mm-hmm. you know, and then eventually you've paved that way for yourself because, you know, you deserve to be happy. You deserve to go all out. You deserve to be the protagonist of your life. Write your own story. How do you want your story to end? I want to leave you today with one of the passages from Ikeda that Nadia referenced earlier, which I'll repeat here, because I think one of the most important aspects of her journey was the accumulation of small, consistent daily efforts beginning with chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo. He writes, Small things matter. What may look like an act of courage is courage nevertheless. The important thing is to be willing to take a step forward. I also do want to leave a small disclaimer here that while Nadia discussed her relationship with alcohol as a coping mechanism and was ultimately able to transform it, in many cases, if you need professional support to deal with any form of addiction, it should be pursued. In such circumstances, Buddhism can be a tool to help us manifest the wisdom or courage to find the best professional care for our circumstances. If you're new to Buddhism or to chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, we have plenty of resources on the practice section of the website at buddhability.org that we invite you to explore to learn more. In addition, as always, if you'd like to get connected to your local Buddhist community, which exists all across the country, you can email us at connect at sgi-usa.org. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.